0: I too, would like to say good morning to each one and greetings in the name of our Savior, the one who shed his blood for us. And that's probably the title of my message. I didn't know how to give an exact title sometimes, but just one that I kind of wrestled with what to share, and for any of you that prayed for me, I thank you for that. Communion service can be one where there's a lot of emotion. Can be one for myself where I I only want to go so far and I don't want to really accept maybe what all took place, what really did take place. And so, thank you, Justin. Just a few in the introduction, some of what, for all of us just to think about that we could remember all that Jesus Christ has done for us I just appreciate the service just in the, uh, the songs the uh, opening that Mike had just Louis sharing earlier about what I wrote here to be more thankful to him for his sacrificial love and that that would motivate us to action because of what he did and then also to grow in communion with Jesus Christ. It's not a one time thing or two time thing every year that we do. We need to experience communion with Jesus every day and walk with Him. The service yesterday was a wedding service. And I hadn't really thought about it when I was studying that there was going to be a wedding and the next day's communion. But just at the onset here, a, me in my mind, you know, I, I like to think of things, but this is what came to my mind. As we, as we observed a wedding yesterday, I just had to think of the variations that exist between husband and wife. There's just many, many marriages. And they're all good marriages. They're godly marriages. And I'm involved in a marriage. I'm married to my wife. And when you, at least for all of you that are here, understand that if you're married this morning, you understand how that works. And we, talking I guess about myself, whether I like to admit it or not, I think I can give more than what my wife can. Whether that's reality or not, doesn't matter. But in my mind, I know the possibility is there that I can give more to my wife than she could probably give to me. It's not a fair thought, but it's one that is of the flesh. And what would you, how would you relate to your wife, wife, spouse, if they would always? give more than you did. And not only that, but it would be impossible for you to give more than your spouse would impossible for you to give more. How would that change the relationship? Because in my mind, there's always the option I could do better, I could probably in my proud and Fleshly mind, I think I could be better than that person. And if you tried as hard as you could, and it would be literally impossible to give more than what your spouse could, how would that change the relationship? Because no matter what you do, you would have to take more than what you could give. I'm not sure how that all fits in, but God did so much for us. There will be a fair amount of reading this morning. The text will be from Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30. This is some of the things that Christ did for us. Before we read it, I'd just give you a general definition of communion. There's lots of ways, but as you think of communion, in general, we're, we're talking about fellowship. There's a relationship. There's a personal interaction, and that is all part of communion. There's more to it, but just as you think of, of two beings or two people, or, or there's, there's just an interaction, a communion, a fellowship, and a relationship that, that takes place and that's so what we're commemorating what we're remembering this morning is what Jesus did for us and the communion that he wants us to have with him so let's read Matthew chapter 26 verses 26 through 30 i realize we're kind of jumping in uh, i really wasn't sure where all is good to start and stop but i just give a maybe a um quick point as there's a fair amount of reading but it ended up i just humbled by how god allowed it to take place that it kind of goes down through the whole story we start in here at the lord's supper and and each point just kind of held out that we get the whole overview picture of what took place um, as we think of of what god did for us sending his son and what jesus did So we're starting here at Jesus in the the Last Supper with his disciples. In verse 26 it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, For the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung an hymn they went out into the mount into the mount of olives. Just taken down through, especially verse twenty six and twenty seven the the actual reflecting on communion, what the, the, how Jesus uh, initiated that of, of celebrating or uh, commemorating communion. In verse 26, he says, Take, eat, this is my body. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, it says, The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body we are all partakers of that one bread. And Luke 22.19 also gives reference about this is my body which is given for you. And in 1 Corinthians 11.24 it says take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And I'm not quite so sure I, I understand how Christ gave his body but as I looked at what that means, I—I I was somewhat uh, able to come up with a good explanation for that. As we see, you know, he says later took the cup and gave thanks, saying, "This is my blood." I know the body contains the blood, but I, in my mind, I wanted to. There's got to be something more with this body, and I—I I really don't know how that is involved in, if you want to say, the details of salvation in itself. The blood is more what is needed to atone for the sins. And so I am going to not have very much about Christ's body, and maybe some of you do, but I will just, there's a lot there. I give that to you as a, a little homework assignment if you're sitting around later at our fellowship meal you may ask each other what the broken body of Christ means. Not necessarily the blood, but the broken body. What's involved with that when you eat the bread? I, I know there's things there, but I, I'm just going to jump over that. I have a lot more on the, um, on the blood that was shed. Uh, and so if you're lacking words in our fellowship meal, just ask the person beside you what they think the broken body of Christ means. And, Could generate some discussion if nothing else. But moving down to verse 27, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For basics, that phrase, drink ye all of it, it doesn't mean they had to consume the whole cup. The NIV says it in a little nicer way it says, Drink from it, all of you, each one of you, drink. And, and you, can, you can take it kind of both ways in the, in the King James here when it says, drink ye all of it. Jesus was saying, I want you, all of you that are here to partake of this, to drink of it. And in verse 28, uh, it says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And as we know, all Christians need to partake of that cup to acknowledge that the blood was what was needed for the to atone for our sins but the the wording here is for this is my blood of the New Testament and I don't want to bring or get into too many de- details on it but Jesus is bringing in what was before there was the Old Testament and he brings in here it says the blood of the New Testament and the word testament is more understood as covenant. And we know that from the old covenant he established in, in, um, in the Old Testament. But as he, as he states this, for this is my blood of the new covenant. There's an, a new thing taking place. And it's a, that transition between you know, the old, the old uh, covenant, the Old Testament, and the new. And he says, this is which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And the word remission is is easily understood as as forgiveness, and that is uh, what what Jesus was trying to to get into the minds of the disciples here what what's taking place, but the the phrase that really uh, gave me the most here for the message this morning is is the four words there it says, "Which is shed for many?" And I started looking. At where the places that the blood was shed for us that Jesus blood was shed and I came up with five of them and this I don't it could have been different places I, I this is just how it came to me There could you maybe it's something that's been around a long time I don't know but as we think of Jesus body containing the blood maybe that's one part of what the body is. The word shed means to pour out. It's not necessarily how much is coming out, but that it came out, it was poured out. And so the blood was poured out for you and I, and I have five different ones here. And as I referred to in the beginning about how, how I would let communion affect me, it, it just, just think of these. It, they were just in my mind, gives, gives me, and as I hear people, each time it's new, and I, and I think it's, it's probably newer this time than ever for me as I think of communion. And it comes back to the fact that I don't want to accept what Jesus really went through. Yes, I accept it as a plan of salvation, and I take those things. But to identify with it and really, really think about, He did this for me. It's easy to think that's part of the fairy tale. That didn't take place. Well, yep, yeah, it probably did, but no, we need to believe that these things truly happened. Let's go to Luke 22. This is where I'll be reading probably five um, more lengthy parts of Scripture. So you can turn to that. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. Luke 22, 39 through 46. And this is just following from the, from the supper when he was with his disciples. And it says in verse 39, And he went, came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. We all know the story. We've heard it. Jesus was in the garden, and in his agony, he sweat drops of blood. There's a medical term that's given for it, and the reason I say that was is because Luke was the doctor, and he took note of that, a physical thing taking place in Jesus' life. And it's because of the extreme anguish and agony That's the only time that that can happen. And how does it make you feel knowing that Jesus suffered like this? Because those drops of blood falling as sweat was shed for you and for I. Let's turn to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, 1 through 15. This is picking up after they had arrested him or came and took him from the garden. And it says in Mark chapter 15, verse 1, And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And and there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? for he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out, The more exceedingly, Crucify him! And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus, when he had scourged him to be crucified. So the place we see here is in verse 15. Just reading through the verses that Pilate, and there may be more to it than I realize, that Pilate could have been trying to not get Jesus out of it, but to satisfy the people that instead of being crucified, he would just scourge him. And if you know anything about scourging, it would not be anything pleasant by any means. They basically would tie you fast so that you couldn't move and took a stick with a bunch of Strings, whatever tied on it, different means that the Romans would have used. And on the bare back, would have given 39 stripes. At least later on they'd know of that, where they would do 39, because 40 was the maximum that they could do. And it doesn't say that blood would have came, but from the obvious whipping that we know of people that have had it, there was probably blood that would have shed from Jesus' body. And I just have down here, can we embrace the pain that Jesus endured, knowing it was for us? Because this blood was shed for you and I. Now let's keep reading, right? Uh, Continuing verse 16 through 20. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple, and platted a crown of thorns, and put it about his head, and began to salute him, Hail, king of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Here again is one that, it doesn't say blood was poured out, but... I was working the other day needing to get to a remote place and there was a bunch of briars in the way. All of you have dealt with thorns or briars. And they don't feel good. And most times blood comes when you deal with briars. And this says it was a crown of thorns. And they, just in reading, I don't have it in my notes, but there was a common plant that wasn't, Maybe so much the, the big heavy wooded uh, they they couldn't they couldn't bend that in the form of a uh, a crown so they grabbed the the common ones that they can grab anywhere and they, they put this together and the, and the word plated just simply means that they um, twisted it together they they just they got it together and they and they just put it on his head. And when I was working and, and a briar caught you and you weren't sure which way to move, as a lot of you know. It's, it's, especially when it's stuck somewhere you can't reach. And the farther you go, the more it hurts. And so you stop and we can identify the, with this. And it's not so much that Jesus, uh, at least in this case, that blood was shed. But he dealt with... The humiliation and the mocking that went along with this Jesus claimed he was the king and they said all right we'll make you a king put a crown on him put purple on him and kneel down in mockery saying hail king as we read But I just wanted to point out that as they put that crown of thorns on his head, there was probably blood that came out. And it says in 19 that they smote him on the head with a reed. And to accept, for me to accept that Jesus experienced this ridicule, this mockery for me, and that this blood was shed For you and I. Now let's turn to John Chapter Nineteen. I'm going to read verses sixteen through nineteen. John Chapter Nineteen, verses sixteen. Through nineteen, And this is the one that we think about the most when Jesus was crucified. It says in verse 16, Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. Where they crucified him and two others with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. We know and hear of Jesus being crucified. And I remember hearing sermons about what all physically took place when Jesus was on the cross and none of us like to think about physical pain and suffering and the imaginations that can go on in our minds. But the blood that was shed here on the cross, at least for him being crucified, was nails being put through his hands. Some would say it might have been in his wrist. And as he hung there, it would have been very painful. And then for nails to be driven into his feet, and for him to hang there until he couldn't breathe anymore, too weak to get a breath. I guess in my mind, I never really thought about when we say Christ shed his blood, where that really was. But this is probably the one we think about, on the cross, where he shed his blood. And there again, the word humility came up earlier, I heard it. And I wrote down too, can I humble myself to realize the pain and agony he bore for me on the cross? And this blood was shed for you and I. Continuing on here in John, verses 28 through 37. a little farther down in the chapter verses 28 through 37 after this Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled saith I thirst now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, and besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Now, I don't know the significance of whether this blood was shed, whether he was alive or dead. But the scripture gives references, the fifth place that I see here, that the soldier he saw he was dead already they didn't break his legs but he took a spear he was hanging there he just had to make sure he was dead and it says there came out blood and water I didn't look it up but the understanding I have is, is that's an indication of death I guess when the, when you have blood and water coming out and his side was pierced for me and you, his blood was shed for you and I. And that can give us a... In your mind, I don't know how you take this, how, what all Christ did for us. But as I continued looking at this word uh, in our text about his blood was shed... As you know me, I have to click on the Greek and then see where else it's used in scripture. And I was so blessed. Turn to Titus chapter three. Just reading a few more verses. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. It says, For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And the part I was blessed with as Jesus shed his blood on the cross, it made way for the Holy Ghost to be shed on us, to be poured out, that we can be free from these things that were mentioned earlier. And it's not just this verse. It's also in Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. And in closing, there's a few more things, but I think I have time to read Romans chapter 5. It's... Familiar verses, but just very very hopeful and, and just good verses to hear. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access unto faith. We have access... Sorry, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, (coughs) Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Just reading verse 5 again, gives that same analogy of, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad, it's poured out for you and I. And we can live in that today. We have his spirit that goes with us. And we can reflect back on how that came about because of what Jesus has done for us. Just a few questions in closing. It was expressed already. Are we thankful for what Jesus Christ has done? And are we experiencing communion with Jesus Christ? And the last one, I didn't, how do you say it? But if you can understand it, are we afraid of the closeness that Jesus wants with us? Or for myself, you know, what distance do we put in between us and Christ for all that he has done? And so I tried to write that out. Instead of my mind rambling, I just have a short paragraph here that hopefully I can convey to you what I try to uh, give to you through this message. It says, Can I humble myself to the full realization that Jesus has done more for me than I can ever give back, and that Jesus wants me to accept all that he has given me as a means of communion with him and a complete understanding of his great love that he has for us just a lot to think about and the desire for me hopefully for each of you is that we can remember Christ shed blood this morning let's kneel again for prayer